You are now listening to Kitchen Table Spirituality, an evening devotional with pastors who are bold, brave, daring, and willing to say what needs to be said, but in ways that people can hear it. I'm one of those pastors, Jonathan Malone, and I'm here with another one of those pastors, Charlie Eastman, who serves the Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southborough, Massachusetts. I got it! Yeah! You nailed it, man. You nailed it. Well done. And of course, Jonathan is of the First Baptist Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, a fact I haven't had a problem with since he started there. Okay, thank you. You didn't need to do that. <laughs> thank you. Bold. Great to be with you. I, I hope Daring. we can live up to that description of uh, pastors well, telling it, saying what needs to be said in a manner you can hear. It's what I, I was just reading your LinkedIn description. Oh, oh, and, you know, there it is. There it is. Bold. I, I forgot daring, all about that. Saying what needs to be said, but in ways. I should that probably can be... review that and make sure that's still current. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do people still do the LinkedIn? I don't even know. I'm I sure got actually a, a job. Well, I was saying you might be interested <laughs> in this job with Homeland Security. No joke. Wow. Homeland so, Security. So you're doing your part on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn isn't necessarily doing its part. No, apparently they have not been reading my uh, blog posts. Um, Maybe they need someone who can explain uh, to people who want to come to this country in a manner that they can hear oh. why they should turn around. Oh, yeah. I would, be all, I would be good all the way up to the... I would be good in the first part. Yeah. But the second part, mostly because I'm a people pleaser, not because of like ethics or anything <laughs> like that. I'd be like, no, no, no. If you're here, I'll take care of you. Come on. Stay it's my challenging place. for me because I'm Christian. Oh, that too. You know? Yeah. And I just have the sense that if you live somewhere that's really great, don't, don't you want to find ways that people can sustainably come to where you are? It, and also making, I don't know, anyway. Yeah. They're, that's... They're, we're clearly not going to tackle immigration today, are we, Jonathan? No, no, no. Um, we're going to go someplace else that's much harder and much more challenging. But first... How <laughs> about that? First, Charlie, how are things going at the Pilgrim Congregational Church oh, in Southborough, Massachusetts? I love this congregation. It's, oh, nice. It's, it's plucky. It's, it's oh, plucky. got challenges. It's got... Would you say they got, have spunk? Spunk, even, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a congregation that's... Undaunted in the face of some real challenges, mm. um, we, we have had 100% of our outdoor worship services rained out. Oh, no. <laughs> Every Sunday at wow. 4.30, the elements conspire. I mean, people are at the point where in our opening prayers for certain meetings, they're saying, even though God wants to thwart our plans with thunder and lightning. <laughs> I was like, good for you. Man, that's... <laughs> You know, maybe, just how it feels sometimes. Maybe 4.30 is a bad time to have a worship service. I did, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've discovered the, the weather patterns in Massachusetts after however long we've lived here. Yeah. Um, there's a chance we could shift worship to a slightly earlier time. We'll be in touch. Okay. I mean, also things are cooling down and, yeah. and uh, the shade is, is fulsome and mm. there's, there's hope. We're, okay, we're good. thinking about different approaches, but so far I have yet to preach. I mean, I did preach in pouring rain once, but... Oh, nice. You know, we're working on it. We're working on it. So yeah. that's the big news right now. Yep. Sorting that out. That's great. That's good. Mm-hmm. We just had our second outdoor service. Um, How did it go? It was, it was great. Sunshine. We yeah, were, because I, you did it at 9.30 in the morning. Right? Well, 10 o'clock. We do our outdoor 10. services at 10. But yeah, at 10 in the morning. It, and before it got horribly hot, because it was hot on Sunday. Yeah. Um, we had a, and just a nice crowd of people showed up. Uh, and we had our first um, fellowship cafe, like a coffee hour, that we've had in a long, long time. 
great. And did yeah, people bring things to share? They did. Everything was right in, on. Yeah, and things were individually wrapped. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, one lovely person. It's as if we care yeah. for each other. Right. It was great. Someone <laughs> brought stuff from their garden, and they had just paper oh, bags of cherry tomatoes and summer See, squash. See, because they've got a probably a bumper crop right now. I know my tomatoes are booming. So oh, it's so dry. It's really nice. If you don't have a neighbor you can bring them to, it's really nice to have yeah, somebody like that. that was, so, so that went really well. Um, this upcoming Sunday, I will not be there. Um, I'll actually, I'm taking the Sunday off again, you know. Why not, right? Uh, Reverend Nancy Forstum is going to preach again. It's in do, the sanctuary. Do you actually work at all in the summer? Or? Uh, you know. Am I the first person who's ever asked you that? You're the first person that's ever asked me that. <laughs> Good. Most people just ask, what's it like to only have to work on Sundays? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. You know, and I say, well, every now and again I have to show up on a Monday. Um, to, to anyone who's ever wanted to ask that question, I invite you to consider how the character of your church would change in one week if your pastor... <laughs> Worked on Sunday morning for one hour. Well, to begin with, hours. I can I mean, promise a precipitous drop in the quality of the sermon. Oh my gosh, yeah. I would give it two hours because I'd need at least an hour to download a sermon on the internet to find <laughs> something that would work. Oh, look, it is the clapping edition. Yeah, see? That's funny. Sorry, obscure reference to an intro that we deleted. Yeah, maybe, maybe, next, maybe next week. Uh, mm-hmm. So she'll be, she's preaching this, this Sunday, and I'll be back the following Sunday, but I am actually on vacation Taking some time away to good for you. refuel myself. Isn't it nice to know you can leave the store in good hands? It is. It is. Nancy's mm. great. She really is. And the congregation, they'll be fine. So that is very reassuring. I've got an upcoming Sunday away, and I found out that the very capable and inspiring Sarah Hubble, Reverend Sarah Hubble, is available to uh, to take over worship uh, oh, for fantastic. that day. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah. You get that, that right person. Yep. When you can't be there, it's so important. Um, I forgot something super important. We had a special meeting of the oh. church council last night, if oh. I may bookend your Yeah, please, go experience. bookend away. And we, uh, we, we presented our vision statement to the church council. <gasps> did they see it? The vision team. I think they did. I think okay, they're digesting. Good. I think they're, you know, classic New England congregation, like... Mm-hmm. Like you've you've created something and now we're going to use it. There's that moment of <laughs> how we get on board, but yep. but I think the statement is so good. Mm. I'm so excited about it, and I'm not going to talk about it until the Spire article comes okay. out. Again, so, read that inside. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to sharing the statement with everybody and okay. then putting it on everything. Oh, good, good. So you won't you won't give us just a. Can you give us a hint of one word that is in that statement? I'll say it's it's three action verbs. Three action um, verbs. Oh. And and and. Wait, let me see uh, if I can guess them. Run, throw, sit. How do you do it? I, it's it, amazing. I don't. Your your prescience for for the unknown is no, just. Charlie, I just I just open my heart to the Holy Spirit. I guess you do. I guess you do. <laughs> yeah. Unlike some of us, you <laughs> truly open your heart. So, all right. So, uh, I, I look forward to hearing about the vision statement more, but we don't want to um, spoil it. Yeah, I, th- I think an episode on vision is probably in our that future. That might be good. I could mm. see that happening. Yeah. Oh, there you are again, <laughs> a prestidigitator. Did I don't I think that right? that's a real word. But, um, okay, so... For the next two Spe- episodes, we have a two-episode Speaking of the movement series. of the Spirit. Yeah, speaking of movement of the Spirit, I'm going to just do an awkward segue. Uh, hey, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the next two uh, episodes, you're getting a two-part series now. 
mm-hmm. um, on origin stories. Oh, indeed. Origin stories. For those of you who are um, steeped in comic book uh, genres and culture, origin or stories movies. are always fun. Or movies, yeah. Um, you know, they're always fun, and, and it's fun to retell them and, and play with them in different ways. But we thought it would be helpful to talk about our sense of our call. Um, in the church world, we talk about our call. Uh, and especially during this time of, of the coronavirus and rethinking things, it, maybe some of you are, have been thinking, well, what's the best way for me to respond? How can I continue to do ministry when I can't do the things I'm used to doing? What is, you know, what is the call of our church during this time? Mm. Um, so we're going to be autobiographical um, for, for these next two episodes, uh, mostly because we just couldn't book a guest who was interesting enough. Hey, I could interview you, and you could interview me. Yeah, that's right. That's what podcasting is. That's really what it is. Uh, So we're going to start with uh, um, the Reverend Charlie Eastman. Okay. And Charlie, how long have you been ordained? Uh, I've been ordained since 2004, so 16 fulsome years. 16 wonderful years. I, I think you've you've got me beat in that department, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's a that, that's it's not a race. We'll talk about you later. Yeah, yeah it's not a competition. I'm winning, no, but it's not no. a competition. Right, I can never catch up. But it's not a competition. <laughs> yeah, 16 years since the ordination down in Connecticut at the Union Baptist Church in uh, in Mystic. Which and, I um, um, for those who've never been, I just want to just one of my fun one of the things I love about that church is if you walk around it, you can see the remnants of both buildings mm, in the That's unit. exactly right. So, I mean, it's a church yeah. merger in a, the most literal sense. It uh, is. They it, were stuck together yeah. in good old practical New England fashion. No, really. They couldn't just tear down one building. But anyways, that's yeah. neither here nor there. I just found that. That's, that's right. a fun fact about that church that I enjoy. I'll add one more. The Fish yeah. family, who are part of my mother's line. My mom was Susan mm-hmm. Fish. Um that that family was integral to the merger. And, oh, um, I don't oh, know that okay. they were integral to gluing the two halves together, but they were hey, they were there for that. Do you know what you call a fish with no eyes? Fish. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, Charlie, That's, when did you... <laughs> I feel like we should just focus on that for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor blind fish. <sighs> um, when, when did you... Tell me... So there's always a question of when did you have this sense of a desire to go into the ministry. Mm. I didn't have it first. My mom had it. Uh, when I was, when I was six years old, I started participating in the life of the church, that same Union Baptist Church of Mystic. Mm-hmm. And I was um, involved in reading scripture and doing little dramatic presentations and things up in front of other people. And my mom said early on, you're either going to be a lawyer because I had the gab mm. or, or you're going to be a minister. Hmm. And um, I, I, didn't really respond to that because at the time I wanted to be a race car driver or something. But er, very early on, I was in an American Baptist church home mm. that that taught me that children were valued for their efforts, not necessarily for their insight, but but for their efforts right. and for their um, for the way that they speak and for what they can bring to a worship experience. So I got early feedback that that I could do that. And and that people would come up and compliment me on it and say. And often we talk about hearing the the voice of God in the in the words of others. And I remember very early on, not the words they said, but the warmth mm. that I got from people when I was speaking in the pulpit and right. and helping celebrate God. Right. So that was that was a big deal. And then 
later on when I was at the um, at at Connecticut um, American Baptist Churches of Connecticut Camp Camp Whiteman. Ah, Camp Whiteman, a great place. It is. Um, I had some early stirrings there, uh, especially on some overnight um, island camping experiences around the campfire where mm. people would talk about what it feels like when the spirit moves. And I, I had a few, I wouldn't say ecstatic experiences, but, but really powerful experiences of feeling community mm. and fellowship. Yeah. And um, I remember early on uh, Reverend Patty Kogut who is uh, now a part of the um, United Church of Christ and the Southern New England Conference, uh, she was instrumental in some of those experiences as a camp coordinator. Yeah. Um, so throughout the process, I think about the, the people who gave me these planted seeds for me. Um, and then uh, I got into the youth group at the church, and mm-hmm. basically I was ra- the, the, some of it is I was raised in the church. At, at Union Baptist Church, and I right. was supported by a lot of people that said the intergenerational part of church is one of the most important parts of church. Yeah. The, the fact that we are 80 years old and we're surrounded by six-year-olds, and I, I know that's a hard thing to hear when we're talking about going or not going to worship to protect ourselves from a deadly virus, but there, there is going to come a time where the 80-year-olds and the six-year-olds are going to be in the same room together again. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it looks exactly like it did, that's coming, and uh, and boy, are we going to celebrate when it hits. Um, so then I got into um, high school mm-hmm. and uh, and started doing the things you do in high school and was really into music and theater and acting. Um, I was not terribly coordinated and sportsy, as some folks are gifted to be. <laughs> And, uh, and I pursued that wholeheartedly and, and wound up going to college where my early interactions with um, people of faith were uh, very different from my mm. home interactions with people. This is when you, you come from a small, relatively progressive congregation in New England, right? and you, you arrive at UConn and learn that there's something called Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fun group. A lot of fun. And, they have and nice there banners. are people who have been edified by people at Campus Crusade from for Christ and who have come to faith. I, I like that the I, I like the, the what you were moving towards your Freudian slip of Campus Crusades from Christ. Right. Um, but <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're uh, right. There. There is some. There is a legitimate aspect to their presence. It. It can mm-hmm. be very meaningful and life changing for people, and that. And that is wonderful. Innervarsity is another um, college. University Christian Fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the other hand, the people that I met who were an active part of that group were far more interested in um, litmus tests about your Christian purity. Hmm. Uh, it, it was really, it was really disappointing. I, I found those people to be really stifling and and not very concerned with the hopes and dreams of others, but more concerned with uh, apparently squashing them. Yeah. Um, and also, I got really engaged in the idea of who was welcome and who was not welcome. Mm. And although at my own church, I hadn't seen any any deliberate attempts to ostracize folks from the LGBTQ plus community, right. I was very aware that my denomination was not making statements saying that everybody was welcome. Right. And in fact, my denomination was going out of its way to proclaim that individual churches get to decide Who's welcome and who's not welcome, right? Yeah, and and that was that was challenging for me hmm. because at eighteen through twenty two, 
I was a theater major. I was surrounded by the LGBTQ plus community in glorious and life-affirming ways. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, by creative people who were living their best lives, as the kids say today, mm-hmm. um, who were maybe not, um, maybe not always fostering a genuine relationship with God, but I don't, I don't know a lot of Christians who are constantly doing that either. Um, mm. And so I, I got to real, I got in a lot of long conversations with folks about how they how they came to understand who they were and how they were going to be in the world. And um, I thought they were beautiful just the way God made them. So this, and, was, a re- I, this was a really awakening time for you, of just was. your sense of, of you know, God, people, acceptance, yeah. those kinds of things. And it sounds like also a time when you really um, solidified your, your understanding of what it means to be Christian, of not having litmus tests, not saying, here's who's in and who's out, here's the right way to do it and the wrong way, but right. moving to, in a different direction. It's been a hallmark of the ministry I've been uh, privileged to practice, and I'm not, yeah. I, I, I couldn't do it any other way. Hmm. And that, I guess that takes me out of the running for certain ministry positions, <laughs> because yeah. there's certain congregations that are just see themselves as bulwarks against the worldly influences, and, and I, you know, I don't want to encourage that kind of behavior in them, right. but it's certainly their right if they need that, I suppose. But you're right, yeah, that, that a non-judgmental, a faith of, of joy, a faith of love, right. a faith of possibility rather than shutting down an impossibility, I just thought it was, it was so obvious to me. Right. Anyway, so I, I basically left the church actively at mm. around the time I went to college, and for a good 10 years or so, I was not connected to church at all. I, w- I would go to my home church. There you go. Which is yeah. not the same as having a faith of your own. Right. That, then it's just, yeah. It... It's comfort, right? Yeah, it is. It's it the is. warm blanket, and it's not Union Baptist Church's fault. It was. It's a great active community, and yeah. uh, Reverend uh, Ken Carpenter... Reverend Doctor Ken Carpenter was okay. there um, when I was when I was active, and his mentorship was. He took a very gentle touch with me. He mm. didn't. I didn't get you know remonstrated for for not attending. I got. Right. I got. It's good to see you when you can be here. Yeah. And he would ask about you know any church possibilities where you are, and I'd say I don't know. And he had kids my age, so he knew what approximately right. where I was and what I was going through. Right. Um, but but he just kept a, he kept the light on for me. He would send a note every so often, oh, like nice. a handwritten note, oh, that's thinking nice. of you. This is pre-internet, but yeah, no, it's still nice. But so for ten years, you you floundered, and were quickly on your way to hell, is what I hear you saying. Obviously, obviously. Yeah, thank God, Campus Crusade from Christ <laughs> found me and told me that. <laughs> no, but you were you were searching it, and you went in a different direction. Now, from co- previous conversations I have I've had with you, I understand you uh, lived for a while in New York City. That's right. Yep, I did. I traveled to New York to pursue um, acting and, and music, and I started a couple bands there and got to be in a couple off-off-off-off-off-off-off-Broadway productions. And it was fun and wonderful, and the best thing that happened in New York City was I met my beautiful wife, Marae, hmm. because we were both waiting tables at the same restaurant. Oh, oh that's lovely. It's a New York story, baby. Was it there that you... Uh Kind of like refound or or had this 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 sense of a call, um, ignited very, a little more. Very much so, and it, it I can credit it to one institution and one experience. It was the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, mm-hmm. I had left the restaurant business and was working for New York City Transit. 
thanks mm-hmm. to my um, mother, uh, my stepmother-in-law had gotten me a job there. And uh, I, I got to experience Second Sunday of Advent at the Riverside Church, mm. Reverend Jim Forbes preaching. Yeah. And uh, that choir, oh my goodness, at that time, they, they could have had 50 to 100 members, I don't even know. Yeah. It was a sea of choir members, and so many of them professional musicians. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. New York City. So, yeah, right. Oh my God. I could, the hair still goes up on the back mm. of my neck when I, when I think about it. And that, that experience was so powerful for me, hearing voices in song and cut to today when churches are having to restrict how we sing yeah. in church and how choirs sing and the congregations sing. And I feel you when you are frustrated mm-hmm. that we are not singing in church. Boy, do I feel it every Sunday. I get it. I, I know because for me, that was my return to faith. Yeah. That choir sang and the smell of the pine branches around us laced into the pews mm. and the, the choir, a sea of voices of, of every imaginable ethnicity rising in Christmas carols and Advent song. It was, it was glorious. Mm. And then, of course, Jim Forbes, a Pentecostal preacher who was at that time at a ABC UCC congregation, the Riverside right. Church, he tore the lid off it Sunday after Sunday. Yeah. Such a compelling preacher. Mm. So I started writing letters. Do you know the handwritten note thing I to- oh, told right, you about, right, right, Dr. Right. Yeah, Carpenter? I've heard about those. I started writing letters to him discussing what I was feeling when I was in that church and how powerful it was. And I said, it's, it's like, it feels like rebellion hmm. against the world. It feels like, it feels like it, to me, I equated it to punk rock. Nice. That, that primal form of rock music that says we're, all we need is just a couple chords and an attitude and we're in it. Right. And for me, I, I, I wrote about the punk, I remember the phrase, the punk rock Jesus. Nice. That, that disruption that Jesus brought into empire and the world at that time and how exciting that was to me and how, why aren't churches getting that sense the way it's preached at Riverside Church? And, uh, and I got in this conversation with Ken over the mail and he eventually said, you're asking the kind of questions that people often ask on their way to seminary. Oh. And I said, oh my, no, that's... <laughs> No, <laughs> you know I'm a I'm a staff analyst at New York City Transit. <laughs> Obviously, I've reached where I'm headed. You're I'm living the dream, indeed. Hey, and there are staff analysts at New York City Transit who are living the dream because that's the right path for them. Yes, but Good I was point. hopeless. I was not the star employee in an office cubicle environment. <laughs> um, I learned that pretty clearly after the first year, and I was there a couple of years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Really nice people. I yeah. met amazing people and, and made great connections, but not not the work style. Yeah. So so he reflected that, and and around that time, my uh, maternal grandfather, at ninety six years old, um, fell out of a tree he was pruning. Wow. And uh, he he had to recuperate and heal his leg up, and caught pneumonia, and uh, passed away. Mm. And the family said, uh, "Oh, a eulogy. We need a eulogy. So who's going to speak for us?" And everyone said, oh, how about the kid that got the theater degree? Yeah, right. Maybe he could use a microphone and talk in front of people. So they brought me in, and uh, I, I talked to the family members and found out what they wanted included in the eulogy. And then they said, basically, but, but you, do you, you, you do your version of it. So nice. I was given freedom to craft something, and I got up in the pulpit and delivered the eulogy about Sands Fish, my grandfather. Oh, good. And at the end of that, 
a number of people came up to me and said, when are you going to seminary? Wow. Yeah, that was my reaction too, except wow, no. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, I said, I'm not going to seminary. That's ridiculous. I don't need to do that. And then uh, several months later, my paternal grandfather died. Hmm. Who will speak for us? Oh, well, let's let's get Charlie to do it. So again, I did the, the eulogy. Another family member who's ordained in the Episcopal Church uh, presided, but I did the eulogy again, graveside. Nice. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, it was hard. It was mm-hmm. challenging, and I did the best I could. And at the end, again, people kept coming up. When are you... When are you going to go into seminary? When is when is this going to happen? And wow, I just got back into conversation with Ken, and then my mother came to me and said, "Here's the piece. We talk about doors opening towards God or how the Holy Spirit moves." Right. My mother came to me and said, "You know, um, the estate is getting settled out, and um, and Grandpa's estate is going to pay for each of you three, my brother, my sister, and I, if you'd like to to go to graduate school." And so then it was like, oh, wow, that door just opened even further. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, self, <laughs> let's go to seminary and let's figure out what, what this is all about. Let's understand faith better. Because with a seminary degree, it didn't necessarily... I know it's a pre-professional degree towards ministry, yada, yada, yada. That's what the MDiv is. But right. on the other hand, I knew I'd get some exposure to the biblical languages, which I was already kind of interested in. I'd start, started taking a Hebrew course at a Hebrew Union College in New York City. Oh, nice. And so I thought, maybe, maybe I'll get more of the languages, and maybe I could teach. I'd love to teach the Bible. That would be really interesting. I could pick a book of the Bible and mm. focus in and do that. So I got to Andover Newton, and, uh, and basically because time is marching on on our, our time ticker on this episode, I'll save the part about all the machinations of how I went from uh, academic track to obviously ministry track. But right. I'll, I'll say that very kind people, uh, and I'll list, uh, I'll list Reverend Dr. Gregory Mobley, chief among them, mm. recognized things in me that were suited for the ministry, and open doors even further for me to pursue oh, that. So by the time I graduated from Andover Newton, I had clearly moved away from the idea of academia and and took on the senior minister position at First Baptist Church in Newton. Nice. So there's a theme of people pushing or opening doors Very much or, so. or planting yeah. seeds. Very uh, much so. And, and boy, what a way that God works with the people around us That's to, absolutely to right. make suggestions and such. In my spiritual journey, the the answer has never really come from within. It's mm-hmm. always come from outside, um, which I don't mean to abdicate yeah. how you have to be self-aware right, for right. how you respond to those pulls or pushes. But thank God for God's movement in other people. <laughs> yeah, and I think God does that. I, I really believe God does mm-hmm. that. Now, if I were to ask you today, which I'm going to, mm. so if I were, I feel which it. I will... Um, You sound like Willy Wonka today. (laughs) I know, right? I don't know what's going on. It's this green tea. It's really good. Um, Why do you do what you do? Mm. What is it that you would say? And then let me ask you, why do you do what you do? Hmm. I think I have been blessed with certain gifts that are congruent with with ministry, with effective ministry. Mm. I have always been able to speak on scripture and and connect with it right 
in the way that it affects my life today, whether I was six years old, 18 years old, or, or now 50 years old. <laughs> um, I, that's always just been something that comes naturally, and I can speak right. to anybody about it, not right. just people who are a willing audience, but even people who aren't in a way that I think they can actually hear, mm. going back to your introduction. See? Um, and I and I feel like I've also been gifted with this, blessed with this sense of, of taking joy and listening to the to the travails and and challenges of others. Like yeah. I enjoy hearing your stories mm. about what you've been through, and for pastoral care and right. and relationship building, that's also essential. Um, so I, I just feel like I I got a skill set. That I could have used, I could have kept pursuing right. acting and music. I could have had an eight by ten picture of my face as my primary business card, but but it wasn't when I was doing that. It just yeah. it didn't it didn't have the dividends that ministry mm. has, and I feel really I just feel so blessed. I feel lucky. I feel privileged to be able to do what I do with the people I get to do it with. That's wonderful, so, it, and I will say, you know, not ever having been your parishioner. But knowing you for for many years now, and and I will say that your your people are privileged to have you as their pastor. Well, you're a sweetheart. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, you're welcome. And I also want to let people know that he doesn't have a what would you say it was like an eight by ten. That's usually the yeah yeah. But behind Charlie is a um, larger than life size poster of just his face. Yeah, oh, it's it's glorious. It's amazing. Really, everyone should have one. Yeah, yeah. www.charlieeastman.com pre-orders. It's, I mean, it, him now. it's an homage to Citizen Kane, which I applaud. I'm glad you caught the reference. Yeah, yeah. Most that's people what I... miss that. Most people just think I'm full of myself. Well, Charlie, I'm not most people. Indeed, you're not. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. It, you know, and, and and I want. You know, if I could take a couple of just nuggets from that to, to offer to our listeners, to, to our parishioners and away. such. You know, for, listen to what other people say about you. We mm. have this tendency um, that when someone says something nice, we say, oh, no, no, no. And not all of us, but some of us do that. And we try to disown it right away. No, take mm. it. They're saying something nice. And it's probably grounded in truth. But God does work with others to give us these hints, these pushes. Uh, and then... Mm-hmm. You know, I love how you said the dividends didn't pay off with the acting and the music in the same way. You know, if, if you aren't getting a love from what you're doing, then that call, that deep sense, that, that was something that we're, we're talking around, it's not there. And, and maybe you need to do your job to pay the bills, but find that thing, that thing that really feeds you, because um, probably it's seeded by God, and um, you could do some wonderful ministry through it. That's... Uh, well put. Yeah, that's that's a, I appreciate the encapsulation that that really works. Oh, sure. It's what I do for a living. Uh, so, it is. <laughs> no, we'll get to you in a minute. I know. Well, that'll be next I week. I mean, in a week. Next week, yeah. yes. Don't don't It's going to be hard to wait. I know, but somehow we'll have to. Well, I have a um I have a prayer from okay. uh he's been on the podcast before. John Wesley Hey. Yeah, the Methodist, John Wesley. See, that's perfect to close a, a discussion of, of myself uh, in call, um, because there's there's not a theologian that I'm I'm probably more diametrically opposed to, and and yet he's he's his prayers routinely oh he's so bring good. me up short. So again, this yeah. theme of wisdom and and spirit from other people is perfect with John Wesley. Yeah, John Wesley was one of the founders of the Methodist movement. He was formerly Episcopalian, but just said mm-hmm. they aren't doing enough. 
Um, and he lived. That happens right? a lot in religion. Yeah, it, it, boy, <laughs> we have that tendency, don't we? He mm-hmm. lived from 1703 mm. to 1791. He saw some good times. I'll, I'll bet he thought he was at the pinnacle of modernity. Can you imagine the changes that happened in oh, that? Oh, I know, right? Yeah, time but, period in communication and travel and... The, and then you had the American Revolution. Um, yeah. It wasn't the French Revolution yet. That no. was yet to happen, but But soon. there were things happening in other countries, oh, we're yeah. told, allegedly. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll end with, with his prayer. Um, Great. Just, oh, let's, let's pray. God, I'm thankful for the ways that you place people around us, um, the ways that you push us and prod us gently and sometimes uh, with a screaming voice. Uh, Especially in this time when it's hard to be close to others, help us to hear what people are saying to us through um, the internet, through phones, through whatever medium, and really to hear how you're speaking through them. And then God, may you use us to speak to others. Help us to let go and to let your spirit dwell in us fully and freely Mm. so that we can be present to others in the best ways possible. God, thank you for uh, speaking to me in so many voices. Thank you for the witness of others to help me see things I couldn't see on my own and help me to be the mirror for others who need to understand things about their lives, whether it's, it's a life like mine or, or one completely different. Bless us each in our own vocations and our own work, wherever we are. And from John Wesley, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put to me, put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and willingly Yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. 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 Charlie, thanks for sharing. Sure. You know, and, and like we said, next week, if we can't find a better guest, it will be me. We can't find a better oh, guest. Oh, you it know, has I, to be. It has to be. It, it has, has to be. <laughs> so, folks, I, I hope that uh, this Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, is one without rain for the people at Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southborough, Massachusetts. Um, Thank you. Know, you. And, and if not, just keep carrying those umbrellas. And, you know, put little messages on them. Put a little smiley face on top. Have some fun mm-hmm. with it. We will. And at East Greenwich, uh, I know you're going to be blessed with Nancy Forston. But continue to, to be well. Take care of each other. Bye. Bye.